Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we have decided to make this episode a little bit of a drinking game. (laughs) Anytime you hear us say anything negative about anything, the movie, each other, you're going to hear this sound. And we're going to take and we hope you drink along with us. So, pour yourselves a glass and uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about this one. (laughs) Pre-show shot to get us started here. Pre-show shot. John is ahead of us. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, he went off. He went early. He's ready to get into this. Okay, so we are talking about memories of murder today. This is going to be the first. Well, it's 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 the first a part of this series that after it's been named. <laughs> Remind me one more time what it's called. <laughs> uh, it's it's called what else have they done? What else have they done? Yes. Now this is what else have they done? Because you know what they've done. We know what they've done. But what else have they done? Yeah, so if I were to think Bong um, Joon-ho, I would probably think, you know, obviously Parasite. I would think um, Snowpiercer. Maybe I'd go back to The Host or Okja. But you're right, I, I, I didn't think about this one. And then John recommended this. John, why did you recommend this movie? I have wanted to watch this movie for a long time. Um, I'm not going to lie, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more when we're in the show, but um, at one random time... Uh, last year, a cinematography professor kept using shots from this as examples of how to compose multiple people in single frames Ooh. and have like the blocking the way because we'll talk about how passionate Bong Joon-ho is about storyboarding. And this this just kept being used as an example by this one professor. And it just was a, you know, really, you know, thorn Literally in my side the for a while. I was like, I gotta seen. watch it. <laughs> Guys, we're going back to film school today. We're going you back know to what? School. If this was the only movie you've seen, you'd probably still be in good shoes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just heard, just like we're talking about now, when he really exploded with Parasite, and I wasn't as much of a fan of uh, Snowpiercer, but Parasite I thought was really brilliant. Everybody kept talking about this one. I just heard people saying, oh, you got to watch Memories of Murder. And I like dark, serious, dramatic stuff. So this was right up my alley. Nice. I loved it. All right. So if you're new to the show, we usually try to keep it spoiler free, although because this movie's been around forever, you know, maybe we just won't jump to the end and give it give it all away. Um, But I'm just I mean, you could. (laughs) Well, anyway, (laughs) if we were to be doing a new movie, we try to keep it spoiler free for a couple minutes. We can give you our recommendations, what you what we think, what we feel having seen the movie rather than give you like a critic's take or whatever. Uh, And of course, we drink when we say something negative. So obviously, if we say we think something negative, we can say something negative. We just have to drink for it. And hopefully that keeps us, you know, having some fun, shooting the shit a little bit. But before we get into all of this stuff for this movie, John, can you please shout out our sponsors? We had a beer sponsor. (laughs) I think we still have a beer sponsor. (laughs) His name is Carlos Barozzo. He he is alive. See Barozzo. Dot beer. Get that handle from our show notes. Follow him on Instagram to get all the beer making fun and news. And we have a musician, an artist in residence, Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N, providing the music on this episode and every single episode yeah. available on all music platforms. Go get he's, it. Go download uh, it. Like it. Share it. Follow. He's, he's at my house this week. Can one of you guys take him back? Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And I was right last week. Dasein was donating all of the profits, all of the proceeds, all of the profits, whatever, from his uh, merch sure. to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I knew it was something good. Dasein. That's awesome. I, I bought like, a t shirt. Yeah. 
you guys should buy a t-shirt <laughs> or, or whatever the fuck. Is he still going to donate to, is he still going to donate to St. Jude's if I buy a t-shirt now? <laughs> he better. Should I could have just them? passed him a 20. I should have just given him a 20, but uh, decided to get the shirt. All right. So we always yeah, do our prints. It's have, pretty cool. You know what? Keep, even, going, keep going. Even though this is our, this is part of our, our new series. Um, which I should say too, it's these these movies haven't been in our series, but we also did like The Devil's Backbone by Guillermo del Toro. Um, we did Parasite, by the way. We we talked about that if you want to get into it. But there are other movies if you go back into our catalog. During COVID, we did some crazy shit. So you probably will see there's, there's probably movies I that mean, are like other during great COVID, everyone movies. did some crazy shit. I mean, we saw we saw some we saw some things that most movie podcasts were not talking about. We decided to we, we were like, well, you know yeah. what? It's February in 2021. Let's do this. Okay, so I would recommend going through our feed. Dave set up our link tree, so we're very easy to contact. We are so readily available for your feedback, positive or negative. The negative feedback tends to be longer, so we can tell right away. But um, look about by about a page. Jeff has COVID right now, so he is super available. You hit us up on the socials; he's ready to rock. (laughs) He's sitting there in his room, waiting for you to message him. Come on, let's get on it. Tomorrow's my day five. Answer one more day. Yeah, Dave will still answer. Day five, dude. You're so close. Okay. we still got, we're going to do our gripes of the week. So let's, we always try to do this again to try to get us drinking a little bit off at the top. Air it out. We have one minute so we don't turn this episode into a three hour, just w- what we want to talk about shit fest. So one minute gripes. Do either of you have gripes? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a big gripe and I have a small gripe. So I think the big gripe I would save for our Great Escape episode, which we're going to record after this when we're already a little drunk. Unless, do you guys, where are you at with your gripes right now? I don't have a gripe. You don't have any gripes? Nope. I I think this segment got started so that you can gripe about stuff, but I look forward to it every week. Honestly, I'm always so excited to hear what you're going to rant about. So just go for it. And I'll tail on and complain about something if I agree with it. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the small gripe. All right. If you want the big big gripe, you have to listen to our Great Escape episode, which is dropping right around the same time as this. Are you ready? I will start the timer. All right. You ready? Guys. Close your fucking doors in your movies and your TV shows. Close the door. (laughs) I'm so sick of it. I can't even tell you how sick of it. When I see two people leave and there's no door closed, I remember that I'm watching a movie and I'm not in the world that you want me to be in anymore. I was watching Under the Banner of Heaven, which I overall I recommend. I'll get to it at the end of this segment. And these two, co- actually one cop goes up the mountains, like the mountain police person, and they both leave. The camera's inside and they just leave and they don't close the door. And then they cut to commercial, which is even more shitty because all they had to do is close the door and cut to commercial right when they close the door. But they didn't. They just left. I saw them get in their car and then it cut with the door fucking wide open. There's murderers on the loose, people. Close the fucking door. Dude, you, you, you beat the and timer. my mom, dude. But my mom, my mom <laughs> talks about that all the time, dude. She she always brings things like that up to me in movies. But that is one that she always goes to. It's dude, true. I have a, I have a list of things camera, that piss me off. That, that kind of crap. It is it is weird how that has found its way into acceptable like film language. Like, like nobody questions it. It happens I get, all the time. I get- when there's when there's a punch or a stab, I get the cutaway so you can get the result. So that way, you know, it, it doesn't look like the 80s fake kind of fighting or even the Godfather fight is the is the only scene in that movie that didn't age well is the fucking Sonny fight in the street where he's missing. the Just guy that one hit. Seven feet. Just that, one, that really one punch. <laughs> even, the, even the kicks, it looks like they're doing a dance together. It looks like they're doing like a like a figure skating lift. But what the only time this is acceptable mm. is the only time. <laughs> 
I know the gripe's over, but the only time this is acceptable is when the cops are doing a raid on the house and they barge through the door and the camera follows the cop in. That's the only way that it's right. This happens all the time where people come in like, hey, come in my house. And it's like, am I on MTV Cribs right now? Like, why? Like, are we just going to acknowledge the camera that just came through the door and that's why you couldn't close the door? Just close it. You got to figure it out. You guys, theater people have, we have to figure this shit out. Movie people, it's time for you guys to figure shit out. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, I, now I definitely went over. I'll give one more drink for that. Okay. Dave and I have our, our assignment moving forward. To, I'm going to close every door in every movie I <laughs> every ever made. Every door. You'll, you'll, it's going to be a doors, farce. There'll be Wait. doors closed and dialogue happens on the other side of the door and you don't even see it because the door's <laughs> that closed. That might be my next short film is just a <laughs> really the other wonderful... Room. <laughs> oh my it's God, just that, a bunch of doors closing. That's so funny. It's just constantly directing scenes where you have to close doors and you're like, the scene's ruined. I can't. Actually, this segment started because Dave kept talking about his theater going experiences and like the guys next to him at movies that were ruining it. So I was like, let's just do this now. <laughs> it was always his first takeaway from the movie. Dave would be like, I saw Sonic 2 and I really liked it, but the guy next to me, and then he's talking about the guy next to him and not the movie. But thank you for, um, are you guys ready to talk about this movie? Yeah. Sure, dude. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had a good day. Okay. Have either of you yeah, seen? You were... Oh, you yeah, were sorry, sick Dave. last week. Are you feeling better? Me? You had a tooth problem, right? Didn't you have a... Oh, yeah, oh that's, yeah. That's, that's, your... that's still there because you can't get a fucking dentist in America for a week. So uh, it turns out so mine was my on holidays. My dad's retired or else I would have yeah, right. thrown you down. So to I'm, go- I'm, actually going, I'm actually going tomorrow. So. Oh, my God. I hope, your dentist, I hope your dentist hums to you like doctors say. Um, Hell, yeah. <laughs> only, the um, light, only the light station. Well, I went to my university, <laughs> den- I went to my university dentist. I'm going to only say the name of the university because Columbia University has got to get your shit together. Columbia University sounds like a great school. I went to the dentist. They showed up. I got a cleaning. And then they said, you have to come back. There's no dentist. And I said, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to take, and I'm not paying. I'm going to take the free cleaning. I'm going to go. I'm <laughs> not paying to come well, back. Hold on, hold on. You went to the, the dental school at Columbia. Is that what well, you're saying? Well, they have, pra- they have like and an the- actual dental practice there. That well, the, the I mean, Columbia students come in as residents, but they have actual dentists. There. Great. Now there's the oh. students have learned to get the money up front. It should, because I no, left. No, I was like, there's no way I'm paying for this. And I didn't see a dentist. So I know I got the and cleaning. You, didn't, but... you, just, you just you didn't trust one of the students to clean it? There's no there was nobody I could see. There's nobody, there's no student. There's no no, no I That's got the cleaning. Weird, dude. That's I got a... the cleaning. And they oh, took x-rays. The actual... and, and they took x-rays. So I have no idea if I, they were like, you have to come back. And I was like, I really don't want to come back. You need the attending so back. dentist and then, to give wait, you no, the no, final. The story's not over. I shit you not. I called the next semester. To go because I, I also I really need to see the x-rays. So I was like, if I get billed, whatever, I need to I need another cleaning and I need to see what happened to those x-rays. And I called and the number was discontinued. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I didn't go to the this past semester. They've, they've, uh, they've set me up for an x-ray tomorrow as well. So that's one more thing they can use to identify them in this country. I'm pretty sure they've got every single biometric. Of, someone's going to mention my dick and then they've got the complete Dave, what do you set. think they're going to? That's right. What do you think they're so going to find? Dave's going to be identified by cock. Actually, yeah. What are they going to find? Actually, this segues kind of into a, a murder mystery where we're looking for DNA evidence in the rain here. Should we segue? <laughs> oh, nice. Nice, nice sure. segue. Yeah. People, we're talking about Memories of a Murder. This is Bong Joon-ho's second feature film. This was from 2003 when Bong Joon-ho was just 34 years old. 34 years it's old. It's just Memories of film. Murder. I kept calling it Memories of a Murder, too, but I think it's just Memories of Murder. It is Memories of Murder. I got it right the first time. I'll buzz myself. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm ashamed. <laughs> I fucked it up too. Siri didn't know what I was searching last night. I was like, come on. You know what I'm talking oh, I ju- about. I just typed in, this is on Hulu, by the way. I typed in murder on Hulu and I got murders in the bill. There's a lot of murder things that pop yeah, up. Isn't it? Yeah, that's a, 
That's an obtuse search right there. Type in murder, murder and you get like 50, yeah. 50 things and you're on a watch list. Yeah. Well, well okay. Hold on. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But anyway, have either of you seen this movie before? D- John, you hadn't. Dave? Nope. All right. I didn't besides, even know about this movie. Besides until... besides Parasite, Snowpiercer, and maybe Oakja. Did, I, did any of you see Oakja? Have any of you seen any of his other movies other than those three, which I would say are the most like... They, they, they premiered in... Oakja was right on Netflix right when it came out. I think Snowpiercer probably... That's definitely streaming, and now it's a series. Uh, yeah, Snow Snowpiercer, I saw. Yeah, yeah. But have you uh, seen any? Of the I, other I, saw, I, got it. I saw it not knowing he directed it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I saw Okja first. Me too. Um, that was the first thing I'd ever seen by him, and I don't really like that movie nearly as much as his other movies. It's still you can tell you're in the hands of a very, very competent, masterful filmmaker. But I just didn't respond to that story and the humor nearly as much as I've responded to his more dramatic dark humor kind of stuff and i i just yeah i'm so happy that I'm i kind you. of have gotten to these as well i still need to see mother we can maybe talk about that one in the future on this segment it's supposed to be really good very dramatic um and i haven't seen the host i've never seen the host so i want to watch that one the too. host the host could be on our list guys reach out please contact dave if you think that we should do <laughs> the host wait um mother he is he has a movie oh yeah 2009 no shit wow yeah also a really intense, dramatic story about a mother trying to define the man who like accused his son or, or framed his son, her son for wow. murder or something like that. It's, it's supposed to be really wow. good. Uh, I, thought so you were the I, say, I thought you were talking about the Darren Aronofsky movie that I... Uh, uh, there's I so I many mothers. I, I was looking at all the movies called Mother last night. <laughs> there's so many. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease you right now. This is sort of relevance in my um, gripes of the next episode that I'm going to give you. Ooh. Yeah. You still okay. working on your whiskey? Um, yeah, I, I, re- I didn't have as many beers as I thought, so it's going to be a whiskey night for me. Oh, um, I also don't want to have to pee in the middle of the night. Okay, so we're talking about memories of murder. Bong Joon-ho, 34 years old, in Korea. And I didn't know this when I started watching this, so I almost feel bad saying it off the, off the bat to anybody who's listening. Up until this point, this is based on a true story. Yes. I had no idea. Same, mm. same, same, dude. I had no idea until I read about it afterwards. Actually, somebody mentioned to me at school today. I was just talking about it, and somebody was like, "Isn't that fucking crazy?" And they kind of, we'll talk about it in a moment. And I, so I looked it up when I got home. Holy shit, fucking crazy! Yeah, yeah. well, it was it was crazy because this, it, there's these are the the true story about the oh, fuck Hwasyong serial murders. By the way, if we if we mispronounce anything, I'm so sorry. It, I, it blame yeah, Western. of course. We, I, I really, you know what? I really, really wish I could pronounce. We have correctly. absolutely got to hashtag South Korea for this because I want people to talk to us. Get it. I want to learn more about your films and tell us how to pronounce these places and these names <laughs> oh, yeah. correctly so we can show the respect. Your film scene great. is fucking awesome right now, dude. Fucking great. The music, the music scene's good. It's, I, I know it's not just BTS and Blackpink. I know there's more <laughs> stuff out there. Um, anyway, um, so this is these are the murders from 1986 to 1991. There are rape murders, typically attractive women uh, in their 20s who were walking alone at night in the rain, probably specific to that climate so that um there was it's hard to track evidence it was hard to get any samples also apparently in the 80s um south korean and i probably american but south korean police not well equipped to handle a lot of murders no. i couldn't believe that was the I police mean, there were a lot of times where i was like are they in the police station right now it, it didn't even look like a police station yeah this was like a no resource this was a rural province too mm-hmm. um like they weren't in the city that was yeah he made more money selling green juices but yeah okay than he did working yeah. as a detective okay occasionally <laughs> yeah, they reminded those those two reminded me of the keystone cops 
the yeah. way they were carrying on. Yeah. Oh my god. Also, people, get your tetanus shots. We should say that right now while we're talking oh, about health care. Please get your tetanus shots. Mm. Uh, okay. So this, so I, I started this movie. This, that's what it's about. It's about the detective, and then a detective comes in from Seoul when he starts hearing that when it, when it becomes a pattern, when there's two, maybe three, then you have basically two detectives leading this team of detective flesh and yeah, basically buffoons <laughs> who are, and, and this is apparently a true story, really violence, and we see it from their perspective. So to us, it almost seems justified. It seems very Elliot Stabler, you know, emotional cop just trying to get what trying to get results and you know they have they have a, a longer rope you know you almost can see a lot i think all of us can imagine a lot of american cops who would take a lot of rope and start slapping some people across the head and tying them up and hanging them upside down if they could get a confession out of them they were sort of doing shit like that and we see it from their perspective so i was sitting there and i was like well this movie's crazy but i i didn't know it was true i didn't know it was based on a true story so i was like it was weird that i was kind of rooting for these people even though they're being very inappropriate by certainly contentional um contemporary standards anyway i digress that's what the story is about um is there any other preamble i want to say no we've got 17 minutes of it already okay cool. <laughs> you guys go ahead what were your initial takeaways of seeing this film dave's tooth is killing him dude <laughs> actually it's not i got in there and wiggled it around and it stopped hurting oh dave oh dave don't, don't touch it no, no, I had to. It was it was pushing on the nerve. So like it, the piece had splintered. It was actually like sticking into the nerve. So I just got in there and levered the little bastard out, and uh, it's fine now. It doesn't hurt at all. You pulled half of it up. No, I didn't pull it out. I just put it back where it was supposed to be. Oh God! Almighty. So, sometimes you just got to fix yourself, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Dan and Sam. Dan and Dan and we just fucking take our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> fucking put them back where they're supposed to be. Sometimes they get yeah. out of place, and we gotta yeah. just fucking <laughs> get back there, you little bastard. There you go. That's for using there, it, little bastard. <laughs> for using an Australian on a native speaker. Uh, I guess all the right, last right, thing right, I should right. say is: wait, this stars this stars the lead of Parasite, who's the lead in all, say, of all of Bong Joon Ho's movies. This is Kong the Ho. this is the first time that they work together. Um, so I just wanted to point that out before we go too deep. But. um yeah, let's get past and let's start talking about some spoilers because ultimately I loved it. Like I already said, Dave, did you did you love it too? I actually did, yeah. Um I at first I was like, this is a real slow burn and it, like these guys are idiots, and then like because they do spend a fair bit of time to like making these guys look like fools. And like they stage a like a press conference where they're supposed to do a reenactment and they've got someone dressed up as the woman, and it just all goes horribly wrong, it all falls apart. And then, you know, the other detective comes in and it starts to get a bit better. And that's when I started to find it really interesting because it was like, all right, they're on the trail now. And yeah, it, it, it I, I don't know what it is. It's like Korean storytelling is really good. And from what, from also seen, yeah. I just, I just want to put it on record. I don't think there's a Korean cinematographer out there who doesn't perfectly understand lighting. I've never seen one. <laughs> how, how so? Because I thought so too. And I love that all the different crime scenes were similar, but different. There were different, there was yellow. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah green, the color palette, green. like the color palette, like that they used it was like faded blues and browns but the killer was tracking red and stuff like that like because he he always took girls who were wearing red and it was just those little like faded things that just added to the like the mood of the shot and yeah it was it really was a good film very well made very very well made yeah i i'm gonna echo it and talk about it a lot throughout the episode but there was a very mature aesthetic to to all of the design 
all yeah. of it felt like it took itself seriously. And somehow within that, as he does in all of his movies, there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of like mm. weird, dark humor oh, that finds very, its way out in his performances. Very good at that social satire. Yeah, yeah, man, it is. Uh, I watched I'm a couple sure, interviews. I'm sure there's at least. This, uh, I'm sure there's a heap of jokes that we miss, not knowing like South Korean culture oh, as well. Of so. course, and we just and we don't fucking you know we're reading a translation like they were talking yeah. over each other a lot. So yeah, uh, but yeah, let's let's move into let's move into the next section. Jeff, Spoilers what do you think? On, I liked it a lot. It was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I and it was weird impression. for me because I started out like hot, like for an hour. I was like, this is so fucking fun. This is fun. Yeah. And then, like, it just the longer it went on, and the more rapes and murders that just were going unsolved, it was like, oh shit, you know, yeah, it started to turn into like well. the, the third act of Wolf of Wall Street, where you're like, shit, I this is this feels this, this the good feeling's gone now. Like, <laughs> Which yeah, is, right, you ahead. know, what it's so cool, it's so cool that you made that observation because he he is obsessed with Scorsese. He talks, he refers to him yeah. a lot. He's obsessed with Hitchcock, and he's obsessed with Martin Scorsese. And I think you can see that in a lot of his stuff. You're having fun. He's really good at doing that thing that a lot of really compelling, entertaining, R-rated filmmakers do. Mm. Where like they'll get you in, you'll have some fun, maybe some violence, some inappropriate humor. They're handling adult subject matter with some levity. And then before you know it, at the end of the movie, you're like watching art in the whatever the last yeah. moments are. You're just like, I, oh my in, god. Inversely, this is one of Tarantino's favorites, isn't it, as well? Yeah, this was the first one to appear on Tarantino's (laughs) list. And I remember, because I used to watch these lists. You know, I used to think, I used to be that loser that was like, whatever Quentin says, like, that must be right. He knows more about movies than anybody. And this one and then The Host were both on his, like, year-end lists. And also, I think they were, like, in his, he did, like, the best of the decades. And they might have both been, like, in his top 20 of the decades. But, yeah, they You know what? Let me go ahead. I I wanted to read this out really quickly, actually. Um, uh, IndieWire. Just as a just to give you an example, they did, you know, 21st century best crime films. And I was just looking around on some different lists. And this is in the top five. They got mm. departed at number five. This is number four. Then 25th Hour, No Country and Zodiac. And I, we'll talk about Zodiac a little bit later because these movies are like the American and the South Korean version. They're, they're, they're so similar yeah. in un- so unsolved, many ways. That is unsolvable true. crimes. Unsolvable, unsolvable crimes. But also aesthetically, like the there's a. There's a weird fear and an aesthetic that remind me of each other. It's not just the fact that they ended up because I didn't know this was going to be unsolved. Again, I didn't know this was a true story. I knew going into spoiler alert on. (laughs) But it is it is an old. It's it's from 2003. Like we're safe for spoilers, but for the for the for everyone, uh, I'll I'll put this thing up so that uh, anyone (laughs) skipping through YouTube knows we're talking about it now. Can we say? Can I introduce? Yeah, there you go. Oh, I was no, just gonna no, say go one more, it. one more, one more thing, just to talk about the setup and how the feeling, like, where the segue, and this is very Scorsese, I guess, and a lot of it does come down to the writing, and it has to be captured really well. But there's a scene early on in the movie where they're at the police station, and the guy, and the, our main guy, um, Song Kang Ho, the, the main detective's parasite, is shooting the shit with the other guy, and they're looking at two guys filling out the report, and they're like, one of the guys is the rapist, and one of them is the witness, and you can see these two guys in the police station. And they goes, which one's the rapist? And they don't know. They, they don't know who it is. And there's, there's this whole idea of like, can you tell, right? So you have the main character who thinks mm. he can look somebody in the eye and know the truth immediately. But you also very immediately after that, he beats the shit out of the new detective who's come from Seoul. 
And he's like, how come you don't have a good eye for who's a criminal basically and who's a detective? How did you not know that I wasn't a criminal? And it sort of sets up this idea of we never know. We don't know who the criminal and the good guy is. We never we don't know this. And I was I, I thought that was like good symmetry, like good writing. I didn't realize how pervasive that was going to be through the entire film where it was like, oh, my God, it's like we all could be the rapist. You know, what I mean, I really well, feel like they, they did a really good job th- laying that. I on. thought that was the way they were going to go when they like it. Everybody turned up at the crime scene and he would like the main guy was at the crime scene and then the other two buffoons were in the bushes like at the crime scene and then i i was like these fucking idiots are gonna think start thinking he's the rapist and yeah. that's that's the way i thought it was gonna go but then of course it went a completely different way and all hell broke loose yeah but yeah for a minute there i was like oh they're gonna go down Did this you, path uh, where they they suspect and for a minute there i was like well is he jeff you're totally right about the uh We talk a lot when we're like writing screenplays about how do you, not in, in an indicative way, but how do you get your theme across on every page, in every scene, in every shot? How is there a way to try to promote these ideas cinematically? Um, that one is such a perfect example. It is handled so maturely. It's introduced in a way that's, you know, it's it's a little bit of a bait kind of thing. You're, you're like, oh, is this his gimmick? And it's interesting. They set it up with that, that scene you described. Yeah. Guys, it doesn't let go. And did you connect the dots that what is the last frame of this movie? He looks at us. Yeah. Right? He, he finally realizes that wonderful, it builds to this thing that we'll probably talk about later. But th- this this theme stays there throughout the entire way, visually. And you think it has different moments where, especially in the climax at the very end, um, where you think it's the very end, where, where you think they have done something and maybe have caught somebody who might be the killer. And you're like, that's it. That's the final climax of this cinematic language. And it worked. And then the final fucking ah. moment of that film, he just fucking looks right at you. And it's just, it's so terrifying. And that's just, have you, what a difficult thing read, to do to get somebody to look down the can. Yeah. yeah. Have you read the interview where he explains what that was? Um, I, I just saw the Wikipedia. Okay. Because yeah, ba- basically it. he was assuming that the because it was unsolved, the exactly. actual killer from the true story would watch the movie. And he was actually exactly. looking directly at the killer. So and the that, last that line, guy did since, since we're going to talk movie. about it, the kid, this kid, you know, he's there revisiting this old detective who's not a detective anymore. He's revisiting the original murder site, the first one. And this little girl says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm just coming here. She says, oh, that's so strange. A guy was just here a couple of weeks ago or months ago doing the same thing. And he looked very plain. He's like, describe him. He says, I don't know. He looks very ordinary. And then he freaks out. And then he looks right at the camera. And we fade. Mm. Just oh, the the, so the idea of using that theme visually from the beginning to the end, it ends up having just such a, a much larger commentary on on the problems that they were going through with their criminal justice system. So I heard Bong Joon Ho in a couple different interviews talk about how he was trying to kind of use this story to kind of comment on the chaos of the government and small governments, especially in the eighties in South Korea. And he thought that there was commentary on what was happening in the world in general, just the, the 80s, just this just this massive chaos of what was happening economically all over the world, yeah. these booms and busts. But um, I thought it was rough, kind man. of, I mean, he really captured it, right? So some yeah. of the yeah. hyperbolic, you know, way too far antics that these, that these detectives were going through with the violence and the, the screaming, yelling. And I don't even know if that was supposed to be totally grounded in realism, but it definitely captured this tone of something that was that was almost like 
it was hard to believe almost like the, if it wasn't yeah. dealing with such serious subject matter, I don't know if I would have bought it. Hmm. I, I do know. Did, did you get I've that seen, feeling I've seen, at all? I've seen now totally, like, like in a lot of the Korean stuff that we've watched, like they don't fuck around with character. When you're an idiot, it's clear you're an idiot. And like when you're smart, it's clear you're smart. So these, they have these very definitive lines and like when you're an idiot, you're a complete fucking idiot. So they, they telegraph the fact that these, these guys are buffoons. They're violent. They're incompetent police, possibly corrupt. And they, yeah. they really telegraph it to an extreme. But I would second that too, is that they, nobody's brilliant. It's mm. like even our main guy, like he refuses to think that the, not that he's brilliant, but they, no, nobody's going to believe our, like every, they're going to have flaws and you're going to see them. In Ex- this movie. Except the one woman in the police who like barracks well, who yeah. almost solves She's the case perfect, twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like talking over, which that's a whole, this, the whole thing is about sex crimes and sex politics, gender politics, gender crimes. And the one female cop that they basically pawn out to the killer in a red skirt. She's actually the one that, May first of all makes that link. Second of all, follows up on it multiple times. Like yeah, and yeah, like oh my god, it, yeah, it was great. Also, I need um, to see character. I, I'm not going to talk about uh, the the Rings of Power and and House of Dragons right now. I'm not. I'm going to save it for the end. But man, what the fuck is happening to these shows? I, I'm not a fan right now. And I get to see these characters. These places, they're eating together a lot. They're complaining about the way their noodles are. I, I, I just, I get the life of this scene, of this story. Of I, I like, I really am immersed in it. It becomes an immersive experience. Yeah. I mean, that that style yeah. of filmmaking, that those moments really do serve the process well because like the guy it grounds at dinner yeah, and it, keeps eating. It what grounds, the fuck? It grounds the characters. Like it grounds. It just the characters, throws up at the table. It's ridiculous. So like that, this, that scene, yeah. that scene right there is a perfect example of like the staging thing I was talking about. That whole scene is done in one shot. Yeah. And these There's guys are drunk them, yeah. around a table. They're talking to each other. Somebody comes from the back. The chief, the chief sits up at one point, barfs. The focus shifts to him. Mm-hmm. One of them steps out of the way. And yeah, I heard but it's always just, just a say, focus shift. Say, There's no camera move. Like the the camera's exactly. just static. And, and it's, not even, one it's giant not even necessarily yeah. like it's it's not even necessarily. Sometimes it is literally focal shifts with the lens. But a lot of times he's sitting with a wide enough focus, yeah. a wide enough lens, so that you really can just kind of look where, wherever you want. So that you, he doesn't. I heard him talk uh, on multiple interviews about um, how he's kind of this amalgam. Jeff, you would like this one. Scott Feinberg interviewed him at the TIFF oh, maybe a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. That's and I've heard, I've heard him talk multiple times, Bong Joon-ho, through his translator about how he really, he's obsessed with storyboarding. So he's, he's a meticulous designer, which is why he doesn't do coverage. He doesn't like getting extra things. He likes everything with one intentional shot. And I think that's, you know. That right there is one way to measure certain directors from other directors. I really feel like that is when you can design that, that says something. But he's also this enigma because he really wants within that frame, within those parameters of movement, he wants his actors to feel free to improvise if they want. To be, Ah. he wants to have really controlled and designed, um, you know, parameters for actors to to live in he wants it to feel like it is character driven he doesn't want it to feel like you have to do it this way and say it this way and you i think he casts many, in such a way that it's like these guys the bring so much life to it like how many marks uh, must get, be on that floor it's like you can do what you want yeah. but don't go outside these tape and it's just fucking uh, tape everywhere so, uh, yeah so <laughs> exactly when he's saying those i keep trying to imagine myself like what does that mean as the actor when you're sitting there like, literally you're going to be like you basically have here's the edge of frame here's as far as you can go there is their other side. If you decide to jump across the table, this is their edge of frame. And you can do anything you want within that. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, there, playground. you see exactly every single frame of this, every fucking frame. I, I kept rewinding it too. There is undirected life in the, in, in that the characters are just so fucking alive. The camera mm. is, seems like it has tons of intention behind it, but it never feels controlled. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel, well, it does feel controlled, but it never feels smothered. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so much Jeff, just to go with what we're talking about just a hair. And I don't want to open up cause we'll talk about those shows at the end. Cause I think we're, we're all watching these things, but there's an irony that is happening right now in scripted television in my mind where these are character driven stories. They're, they're serial style. We are following these gigantic arcs of characters that we fall in love with over a long period of time, seasons and seasons. And yet a lot of the shows, there is a tendency for them to be over-controlled, over-designed to a point where you kind of feel like, I don't know what kind of acting is happening. Like the acting doesn't feel like it is as, uh, as free in a lot of these, oh. some of these movies that have this kind of element, this, and he's, mm. again, these influences from Scorsese and certain new wave directors that this guy grew up watching. There is something that is just really, really, really unique and kind of, it's kind of hard to watch this kind of work in films when you're talking about movies and not realize why everybody recognizes him for being such a master so quickly. He seems to have found the balance of control and everything that a director can do to cultivate and manipulate a wonderful environment so that actors and a DP and everybody can just come to life. It's, yeah. it's so alive, dude. Well, and, right, and the irony Sorry. to that is we just, yeah, gush the <laughs> fuck out of this guy. Well, you know what, the, the, the irony, yeah, back to irony. I don't, I don't know if irony is the right word, but we just had the Emmys last week. In This is the 2021 to 2022, whatever, Emmys, 2022. Mm. But in 2021, shows won a lot of the awards. I thought that fucking um, Severance was going to win a lot of shit that came out this year. I thought it was great. But no, it's Mayor of Easttown, White Lotus, Succession, which came out technically in this year, but sort of at the beginning of the year. Ozark came back. But these shows are exactly what you're talking about. Now, Succession and Ozark are obviously heavily scripted. They're all heavily scripted, but there's life in it. You, you watch Mayor of Easttown, you know that if Kate Winslet and all of the, and Gene Smart, and you, all these people that are working, you know that if they have an opinion that it gets heard and they get to do some shit. That, and even, even Squid Game, I feel like the main actors, I feel like they were really a part of sculpting those scenes. So it's weird when you get these, yes, what you're saying, these overproduced shows then obviously that suffers. But back to this, it's very meticulous too. So that's the balance. And that's the Scorsese, that's the Scorsese conundrum, right? Is that you want, he's so meticulous. He pours his soul into these things and it's all done ahead of time. He's, he's literally storyboarding things that when he's reading the script, he's like writing pictures in of how he would shoot it. Uh, the heiress, or no, the, um, not the the heiress, not the heiress. Um, Age of Innocence famously had all of these like swirling circle, like it almost looked like a, like, like something that a, a mathematician would write all over his script from like his first read, not even with production designers because he was already like seeing it come to life. And just like, it was almost like people that were possessed, like writing all over like a piece of paper. Um, and so with this, how do you do that where you can keep it free and loose for the actors, but you also have it meticulous. You know, you know it'd be he, great I think he fucking if we find but, out down the track that like, he's literally just scribbling curves on his thing. He's like, let's see what fucking <laughs> film students make of this. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, dude. He he has said, I've heard him say a couple times now, and I'm sure it's a stock answer at this point. He gets asked these things all the time. But it's I've heard Paul Thomas Anderson say the exact same sentence. 
how do you direct on set? What do you say to actors? And both of them have said as little as possible. Honestly, like I'm, we should have already had those conversations a long time ago. If we, if I don't feel like I have the right actor in the role and we haven't talked about what we're going for with intention, get out of their way. Let them surprise (laughs) you. Let them do something that is not in your head for the perfect idea. And when you're working with actors, like like Song Kang Ho, I mean, you just you just got to let them live. Just do a couple more takes, and you're going to have your options. He is. I mean, oh my god, he is just a fucking ball of energy every time. But dude, also, that includes when that includes the intimate moments, uh, like what you're saying, like the the tetanus shot thing. I was like, what's going on with the tetanus shot? Is this? I was like, as soon as that started happening, I was like, we're not catching this killer, right? But they're not going to do the thing where it's like the friend, because again, I didn't know this was a real story. I was like, what the hell? Like, why are we doing these sides? Why is he taking his friend to his amputation? Like, I, this so. This whole thing was like, I was like, what is going on? But he was so alive. Oh my God, he was so alive. I feel like I was going to say something else about that, but it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. There were but. so many, no, I'm glad you pointed that out though. There were so many asides. Is There's no other way to say it. Like there, there were moments that really weren't super important to the overall story moving forward, but he told you they were important cinematically. That one, There was that one moment towards the end, either right before, it's when he says, let me see your leg. And they're standing by the car. They were just going to get yeah. in a car and drive away. He could have said, yeah, the leg's still bothering me. And we would have known, oh, that leg's going to cause a problem. But they came in tight for these weird close-ups. They were strangely framed and really gave him a moment to like have this tiny little arc over the next like six minutes where he has to like take his friend to have this come. I, I think that ended up being a really wonderful metaphor for them losing their footing and Starting to like yeah. really feel like this is taking mm. this is literally also, taking stuff a little bit from of, us. A little bit of karmic justice as well, because that one cop got confessions out of people the, by kicking them with with that fucking foot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Russell, oh yeah. my god! Wait, how fucking awesome were those kicks? <laughs> Wait, we just. <laughs> oh my god! Out of nowhere, he just like flips and kicks him. I was like, holy when he shit, jumps so- across the table. And it's that one dude. I mean, out of I rewound that like three times. That was hilarious. <laughs> and awful that happen in dramatic. real life. It was, <laughs> You're fucking so lying. Cool. And he just like the entire body yeah. is horizontal. He's coming. I love really how and this is crazy. With all the gang movies like departed and that kind of stuff, where like one fight, like one person throws a punch and now everybody's in a fight. Like that happens in this movie. Like one guy throws a bottle through a TV screen, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Wait, is the killer in the room? Why are 20 people fighting all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> and was that little TV with the little dial remotes? Was that like the local sports bar? The whole thing was like so crazy to me. The whole thing. Dude, that's I'm still the, like I, having out-of-body experiences thinking about like scene, the victims being tied. I'm like I'm like being transported out of my fucking body, like thinking about Dude, I'm so glad you go. That scene alone, dude. Dave, can you imagine designing that that scene? They destroyed You better that hope that guy knows dude. how to throw that beer bottle because they he misses like, that they TV. Were like, there were like two. There were like two different shots, and one of them was a very long one that moved through the whole fight and came out at the end yeah. and stuff. They like, I just can't imagine. I know they're in this rural area; they can probably do whatever they want with these places. But just the balls to design no, something no that's going to have I, if, that much of an effect on your on your set. I have had. I have. Had, I've had a study kick the camera before while I was holding it. So it'd be a case of like, here, you hold the Ari. I'll take the black magic for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. Really, and not to mention that they shot this on film, right? Yeah. So the, all of this was happening, this crazy controlled chaos, this madness was happening with so much intention that they shot it on film, which of course gave it this lovely quality, but that well, it also, freedom it also makes that, that color all, palette. It also makes that color palette they achieved even yeah. more impressive. So really that yellow, that like burnt stuff, out but... brown and yellow. God, it yeah. lent itself so brown, well Brown, yellow, to light green. There really weren't that many 
colors. Yeah. But they were I kept all, thinking they all it was going to clear. I kept thinking too that it was going to. They open and close this movie with these just absolutely gorgeous, you know, burnt yellow shots with these rice patties that are out of season. So it's not green, it's yellow. Yeah. And it's just, it's so pretty. And that I kept thinking a, that the that darker parts of the metaf- movie. That was a total metaphorical, like, curtain up at the beginning. Right. Like, he yeah. just starts off with the kid and in just, a bug. And then just, <laughs> yep, we're in, and here's your yep. world. And it just gets disgusting. And then yeah. it just farming turns into at the this, beginning? What, what, what was, yeah, he, the, was he doing at the beginning? Was he farming? The kid? Yeah, the, yeah, they were having the right when he finds out that he had to go. Um, um, our main character, Song Kang Ho. Like, what, what was I forget the scene? I, I remember it was, I thought it was like farming or something. I thought yeah, he was, was just riding about. on that car and he was going to the site. Yeah, so they'd already found the body. This guy was taking him there. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll stew on that for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we started in the yeah, middle no, of he, the crime. He was, yeah, he was already a detective. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stop looking at your phone at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, you guys, this is good practice. I encourage all okay. Americans watch foreign films. You got to pay attention. You got to read those yeah. subtitles. You, Honestly, you will read yeah. You have got to pay attention. Yeah, it's good practice. Wait, speaking of paying attention, did one cop grab another cop's cop's cock? He said. He yeah. said, "What are you hard? Let's check." Let's <laughs> he check. grabbed like, his cock. <laughs> There was some very interesting homoeroticism. That was, that was I don't kind know of if that's cultural yeah. or if that's just a part of the whole the whole aspect of sexuality. Obviously, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle this at all. This is dealing uh, with something very serious. The rape yeah. is taken seriously. But there's this whole other weird commentary on the woman that he's seeing. Well, it's, I don't think it was, was taken seriously by the cops. Yes, she was absolutely a prostitute. And she okay, eventually so I, becomes I thought the same thing, wife. too, because he kept... Yeah, he yeah. kept yeah, but a lot of people mistake her for his, his wife, but no, she was absolutely. She's always there, yeah. and she's talking about the crimes with her. Not too many right. people I know talk about their their work with a prostitute. I think she's also not, like a, a nurse, like maybe like a yeah. homeopathic kind of thing. Uh-huh. Well, she was he some said. kind he was of like, healer. It was like because uh, she she they had sex. It wasn't. It didn't seem very. But it actually kind of seemed like it could have been a marriage. To be honest with you. And then she gives him a flu shot, and then he goes, "I hear everybody at the hospital is trying to get to you." And then they make the joke about taking the clothes on and off. I was like, is is the is the prostitute also the nurse? Is it is it like is that her? She kind of she's she, the only person that yeah. can do either thing in this town. Like she does, very she does home visits, two lots. Home visit, yeah. No, yeah. that was really interesting to me. The um, that's there. That's the happy the, ending. Of all the this sexual, town. the weird homoerotic <laughs> tension between them, like the detectives. I thought that was a really unique commentary on just the chaos of of everybody's intention. Like we're not even sure who we're trying to have sex with, which I'm not making a commentary. Yeah. I'm not making that comment based on today's standards where we have a much more fluid understanding. I don't think what that happens that on was stakeout, what he was trying stays to say on stakeout. Uh, the, um, the whole section where he's looking for a guy with uh, a <laughs> Jesus Christ. They are sitting you just keep saying steak out. After steak you get your bus. out roadhouse. Guys, don't <laughs> fall asleep on your steak out. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> um, the whole section, the whole sequence where he's looking for guys with no pubic hair. So interesting. That's yeah, that was so he's funny. Looking, and a boy walks by, they would never get kids, away with that here. Boy, a boy, yeah. yeah. He's he like she, literally stares at the boy, like, yeah. Yeah. And he tells the guy that was that's funny. When he when he tells I think he's the telling chief. the prostitute. Well, was like, oh, okay, okay, the prostitute, yeah. Well, I forget who he's telling, but he, afterwards he was like, I told the person who runs the place to look out for anybody. No, when he's telling the chief, it's and like, oh, it, might, it yeah. might be the, yeah, yeah. it might be those monks next door, and the chief's well, just yeah, like, yeah. the chief is like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. well, was it the chief when he when he said I told the the person running the sauna like hey if you see anybody look out for hairless men yeah and they just laughed and they at him. looked at him yeah they laughed at him and he's like all right yeah that yep. makes sense this is just one of no, those no movies hair, just that peaches is, it achieves that kind of tone Gross. that like I am just searching for as an audience member all the time I love movies that kind of do this where like it's that perfect blend of you guys are giving me a hard time. If my friends give me a hard time. I don't really watch comedies very much. Like it's not my go-to. My favorite comedy is in drama. How many great, go- like how many like great? It's yeah. in this kind of movie. It's in these kinds of plays. The hardest I've laughed in theater is in the Departed. Hilarious. The Departed's hilarious. I just feel like this is just a really. I was. I was just. I was shocked at how successful every aspect of this movie was. I knew we were going to be in good hands, but Jeff, he made this when he was thirty-three, dude. It came out when he was thirty-four. He oh, probably right, right. worked on this from 32 to 33. That's just it t- apparently took wow, a year to write it. Fucking... Yeah, yes, David. This was and six this months. Was his... He didn't write anything. He just did research. Yeah. This, this was his feature. second feature. So he made one before this, which probably is still really good. I'm sure he's got a lot of promise there, but that just blows my fucking mind. He made a lot of shorts before he stepped up to the plate with this one. And it was based on a play that, you know, the play had already mm. been written. It was yeah. based on the incident and a book about it or an article about it. So he had some really great source material. It's a wonderful story, but you know what? The story is not what is so brilliant about this. It's the telling. They fucking absolutely rocked how to direct this and turn it into a, a singular film. Um, did you enjoy the suspense sequence when the girl... This is a, We're talking about just film acting. We're not talking about enjoying watching people get attacked. But the actual storytelling of when the woman, when we first saw the killer outside the factory... Yeah, attack that I, girl. That well, was that's, fucking terrifying. That's the thing. I, I, yeah. yeah, he pulls like because he watches so much. You see it when you see he, the head pop he up. He pulls from he pulls from like various genres. So there's like crime film, horror film, comedy, drama, and this definitely fell into like that one sequence fell into like suspense horror. It it reminded me a little bit of Barbarian that we talked about last week, where like he just comes out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that that sequence, <clears throat> the suspense. Yeah, because we're talking about this like. And then he went so full slasher for the looking through the trees at the end. It's oh, really man. buddy cop stuff for a lot of this, where it's just like the behavior of them trying to figure out what's going on. But the two suspense sequences, because I would I would consider like the masturbation guy and then the chase to be like, I, I, maybe that's not suspense because not necessarily anybody's life is in danger. But like I was holding my breath and I, I knew that there was time left in the movie so that it probably wasn't going to be resolved right away. But when you have this guy trying to masturbate on the crime site, and you have three people watching, and then you know that whole yeah. seat, that whole like fifteen minutes was. I was just like, my jaw was a, a bust game. him. Like, Stop watching him. Just bust him. Yeah. And also, like, why are you worried if you like just get the jump? Yeah. Get the jump on this guy. You have the first step. Go. Yeah, Dave, I, I want to oh ask. God. I want to ask you, dude. Like, we've already kind of touched on it a lot, but uh, the cinematographer's name is Hyung Koo Kim. I believe that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce it, and there is something. I don't want this. You talk about people like Hitchcock, Scorsese, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, Bong Joon-ho, these people who are intense uh, storyboarders, like really design the hell out of stuff. Mm. Paul, maybe not quite as much, but these you don't want to take anything away from the execution of the cinematography. There was, I was, in, I felt like I was in such steady hands. Like every yeah. single movement was perfect. It was perfect execution if it was supposed to have a little life it had the perfect amount of life yeah. if it was supposed to be moving really steadily it, there was not a single second that wasn't 
like zoomed in or zoomed out, pushed in, pushed yep. out, pan, tilted. It wasn't perfectly controlled. And you could it tell also he didn't he didn't have quite enough budget to to get some of the dolly tracks completely level in some of those sets, and it didn't bother me. It made it no just it gave it that little bit of an indie feel um, yeah. for me. And I'm like the, these guys are you know they're making absolute fucking art with what they've got on hand, and that's what Honestly, it's all about. Dude. Yeah, they, like, this, my, my, dude, my like favorite an shot, and I will I will stick this one will stick with me for a while is that tunnel. I was just about to bring that up. When they're shooting out of the tunnel and the tracks are just two light streaks. Yeah. So, Dave, let's let's just let listeners know, like, that's the kind of shot that, look, if we're on set and we hadn't planned everything, we might think that would be cool. At some point, let's do that. But that's the kind of shot that comes alive in design. When you're talking about things ahead of time and you're trying to say, like, how do we, what's our punctuation on this moment? Yeah. Do we want to just, do we want to cut out? Do we want to go in close? Well, how I can, cool I can imagine these guys. Inside. I imagine these guys standing in that tunnel for about six hours, waiting for the light to be perfect on those tracks. Perfect, yeah. Because it was a, or, it or was you a sense, traditional silhouette is, shot, but you had two lines of fire where the train track reflected the light perfectly <laughs> down through the bottom of the shot, and like you just well, don't with see the that. raining too, because that was really raining. They didn't create fake rain. Like oh, no. they either were meteorologists <laughs> on site, or this shoot took forever because they were like, okay. Um, you know, like what's yeah? I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you storyboard for outdoor shots where you need rainy days and you need not rainy days, and then all yeah, that. I don't know I how they did that. That is the uh, Dave. That is well, the I, I know when I was. Too, I know when I was in Vietnam. Um, I spent some time in Vietnam, and three p.m. every day it rained. You could set your watch to it. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. wow. that I was in Florida in August too, but that's just because Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. is the governor. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's for calling the devil on our show yeah dude fuck that guy <laughs> anyway um, um what were we talking about this movie oh yeah i just thought that th- yeah that moment i do just want i think that i think it's i think it's appropriate i think we should give it to because i think he meant it this is a movie that is designed to have wider shots with a lot of things happening in frame he kind of teaches you that language early on it is very much his the the main chunk of this movie, the second act, whatever you want to call it, the big middle section, the hour in the middle. It is everywhere. There are multiple, usually four of them: the chief, two detectives, and that other detective. They mm-hmm. are often in frame together, coming in and out of frame. And yeah. I just felt like building to that thing, that shot you're talking about, Dave, to finally see them totally silhouetted. These people we've been seeing stuck inside these tight frames, scrunched together. They are now isolated in silhouette. You can't make out their features in the elements, total victims of the mm. rapist's control, which is the rain, because he only attacks in the rain. It just, there was so much as they are no longer in the light. You can't see them. There were just so many things thematically. Well, actually, it was both because they, they, it was like they were standing on the precipice. They had light behind them and right. a trail to darkness in the front. God damn it, dude. It's, just so, it's, it's so intelligent. Yeah. It's so intelligent, but it still felt emotional. I didn't feel like I was watching, like, ooh, I didn't put on my thinking cap when I saw that shot. It, yeah, it no. nailed me. It hit I me just, right in the I gut. Just, I was like, oh, I just fuck. sat there and went, oh, that's pretty. But Because we're also yeah, in the... But it, uh, all, it also absolutely the, the, served a purpose. Had the rapist... He's, it's not him, actually. We know it's not him. Had he already gone into the tunnel by that point? Um, I think so. No, I no, think he hadn't. so too. I can't. Okay, he had not. It was when they were holding him down with a gun. 
Anyway, yeah. It doesn't really matter. But uh man, I just I just couldn't say. I know they used it a couple it's of really... times, so that's that's a good effect. So let's let's wrap up the um of what actually happened. So a guy in 2019 confessed and he had seen the movie before he was found mm-hmm. guilty, as was predicted. Um I I still think it's a really cool And the guy that confessed is not in the movie. Like, no, no, he's none of the characters yeah. in the movie. Um, it is so they never even got close. I still think it's cool that the audience gets looked in the eye. So like, I got looked in the eye by this guy. His eyes also had the he had like the little one eye looked a little different than the other eye effect too, which is kind of a cool way of looking at it. But we all could have been the killer. So it was basically like, you know, he it was what he did to all of the people. He looked looked me right in the eye, looked me right in the eye, and he did it at the end. But yeah, a guy that um was found guilty of raping and murdering his sister-in-law who was 18 years old. His name is Lee Chung-jae. Lee Chung-jae. Lee Chung-jae, yeah. And then in 2019, with the advancement of DNA technology, was linked to something, and he just, he just, he was already in life in prison, I guess, and he confessed to everything. How fucking crazy. He literally said, here's a quote of him saying, um, um, he said, I heard that many people had been investigated and wrongfully murdered. I'd like to apologize to all those people. Oh, uh, he said nice. that there were literally times, there were Fuck literally it. times where he was interviewed by detectives and they would always ask him about other people in the village. He said there was one time where he was wearing a watch from one of the victims and they didn't notice it at all. Oh. He was wearing a woman's watch back in the 80s, right? So a woman's watch, you know, it was still. Mm-hmm. Still pretty clear. It was probably smaller, and it, it's you know just an ordinary man, a plain man. That goddamn it, you guys. That yeah. last moment with the girl that fucking destroyed me. I was yeah. so yeah. unsettled. That was really scary. That it's like yeah, he just lot. blends. No wonder they never found him. Oh my god! Also, well, how 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 wild is it that the the masturbator guy, for instance, wore the female like basically woman's underwear? Well, it's comfortable, and this. Sure, and then this guy was wearing like the woman's watch, and that like like you see the red panties, and they're like that's the killer, and they they that's that's how they identified him. And here's the woman's watch that you're mentioning, John. You're right, but yeah, there were copycat crimes. There were people that um were detained, like were in the movie that that killed themselves, mm. like because they basically were tortured. And we we know this now. This happens in America like fucking crazy, where. There are ways of trying to get confessions out of people, regardless of whether or not they did it. It's so fucking stupid. People got it's so stupid, but that's what we do. And Dude, that that happened to people, and they actually killed themselves. This is yeah, way it, before it got, uh, making of a murderer, though, right? Like that narrative has existed yeah. in in the pop culture of America and movies and stuff. But I feel and, like making of a murderer. I'm sure at forever. I'm sure forever. Like the history sure, forever. Of but like I feel like this was one of the earlier movies, at least in the 21st century, that really showed you the 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 ins and outs of feeding narratives to potential yeah. to mm. suspects and trying to get them to literally recite i mean that is like old school yeah, tactics that, and that, we're, that we're seeing it still happen in, today they had tied up and he was just he they they basically driven him nuts by beating him there was a false confession actually mm. there was somebody who served 19 and a half years because he served a week and with the cops <sighs> and they tortured him and he, 19 and a half years. Wow. How fucking Unreal. wild is that? Unreal. Yeah. The subject matter is disgusting, anyway, folks, yeah. but like this is a really, really compelling film. Yeah. I'll also say this. It is, it is scary. Don't get me wrong. Like, I could see people who are sensitive to this subject matter not wanting to watch this kind of thing, but there's not, 
a lot of violence, like gore on the screen. There's, there's more intrigue and drama then there but is violence. So he I think also, he also does a thing where not get too scared of the violence. Yeah, he shows you half of like he'll show you a tiny bit of the violence, like a close up of a face, and your mind does the rest, which is just you know what got me. You know what got me, and they, they make they, they had to they had to make this happen, right? Like somebody got paid a lot of money to make the corpse look like this. Classic cinematography that we've seen in Silence of the Lambs. Seven, a bunch, a bunch of classic serial killer movies and television shows where the camera is kind of the bottom of the corpse is just in frame or the top yeah. of the corpse is just at the bottom of frame. And we're mostly focused on the detectives or forensics looking down at it. That scene where they find the last girl who was. Yeah. And then just at the for note for just to really turn your stomach, he pans down at the very end and just shows you the entire corpse for like one second. And then he just cuts to the next. And it just got it bothered me so much. One, yeah. That one, that one got me. You're talking about, um, I mean, her legs were like tied up above her and stuff. Yeah, yeah that that one, yeah, that one definitely. And like, also just oh, the vo- the weird voyeurism of everybody standing around. There was a camera person filming basically like everything inside. Yeah. You know, like like two. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say it on the podcast, but like because they didn't have police tape, they didn't have fucking caution tape. So these media crews were on the bot. They were like they they were they were five feet away from these bodies, like filming that inside. Was another, and stuff. It was dude, disgusting. The themes are everywhere. That was another wonderful comment that he made as the director. One of the last acts that that uh, that our, our detective B, if you will, the more serious one from Soul, he tries to cover her up because he's just so yeah. fucking fed up with the whole fucking thing. The only thing he can really do is try to give her a little bit of dignity. So I thought that just the arc of the way he covered, he shot these poor, terrible, you know, victims in these awful scenarios, showing different parts of the body eventually showing an entire body still on the autopsy table and then eventually showing an entire body with a bunch of fucking men standing around staring at it in the woods and the detective trying to cover it up and that's the last time you see of any of the victims at all i thought that yeah. was just that's he like also so he also knew her as well so that was a oh, because that's God, that's dude. the girl he put the band the girl on. it was the girl yeah. right the girl he put the bandaid on yeah, yeah. oh my God. this is one of the most this is one of the Everything. most multi-dimensional yeah. films maybe I've ever seen. Just we, we've we've covered so many different elements of of I guess humanity, but just just so many different things are they're all on this film. Oh my god! Watch all it, right. watch it, watch it. Yeah, watch it. Yes. If you haven't, if we haven't ruined it for you already, you should watch <laughs> it. Um, and and reach out to us with your thoughts and give us other suggestions for for movies that we could talk about. That'd be great. Thank you so much, everybody. I think it's honestly I'm having like it's it's it's. The IMDb, one of the head pictures, there's a couple. I just sent you one of them, which is like the little girl at the end, which is that's already just the fact this little girl's in the woods. It's probably not realism, but it's like, the, why is this girl in the middle of the field? Why are these people walking on their own? Oh, right. It's the fucking 80s and 90s and early 2000s, whatever. But Humanity never learns. It's, the, rural, you know, it's a rural village. The picture, you know, that makes sense, right? Some, sometimes during this podcast, I was on IMDb on this movie's thing, and I saw the last victim tied up with the legs up above, you know, almost like a like a animal like we would tie up an animal or something and i just it was just like out with the dirt and people around her and stuff and i was just like literally was like gone from the world for uh, a second because it's Jesus, this movie i can't believe i can't believe i laughed at so much yeah it did that to me anyway all right people fuck you john <laughs> all for, right for recommending this movie yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds no, thank you john for recommending this movie um, ruined marvel just a little means, bit more 
Because I have yeah. recorded a different um, audio thing to segue us into our final <laughs> the final segment, which is what you've been watching, our recommendations of the week, where we tell you what we've been watching and whether or not we recommend them. Dave's going to put them in the poster regardless of whether we recommend them. Because sometimes I say I didn't like something and Dave puts it on the poster anyway. People yeah. are like, I love that. That's just me going being able. No, you got to do it. <laughs> we got to get the people, um, it'll keep them up to date. All right. Dave, we always start with you. What have you been watching? You said you had a big list, but we have two I, no, things. No, I didn't. I, did, I don't have that big a list, actually. Um, I uh, I watched the new animated cyberpunk anime um, that's based on the cyberpunk 2077 game that came out on Netflix this mm-hmm. week. Uh, it's Cyberpunk Edge Runner. It oh, yeah. is probably my favorite thing that I've seen produced off a video game currently because oh. it is so close to the source machine. like if you're a fan of the game you will recognize locations in this anime Jeez. yeah it's it's well produced by the company that made the game so yeah it's and it's a it's quite a fun little story uh done in a, a like a, an anime style i'm digging it nice it's definitely yeah. not for kids do not put the zombie <laughs> children around oh my god no don't <laughs> All right, dirty anime. I love it. John, I watched. Um, we'll talk about Rings of Power when you talk about it. Um, but I watched that. I'm caught up on that. And then I also watched a, uh, a mid '80s Sydney Lumet movie called Prince of the City, um, about a group of like detectives and corruption in New York City in the '70s and '80s. And it's about um, this main detective who decides to start talking to the the feds who are investigating it and kind of end up out, outing tons and tons of really high profile detectives that really didn't have any rules around them. Um, they're kind of doing whatever they want, got involved with a bunch of narcotics and just, you know, kind of that thing. And it was, um, it was same very thing Same thing happened in Queensland and Australia in the eighties and nineties. You know what? Chaos. That's not dude. even a joke. Just, that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, look, it fucking happened, right? I feel like we're still catching up to corruption yeah. in the behind the blue line, which is, you know, there's there's reasons why it happens. But anyway, it was it was good. It's very yeah. long. It's about three hours long. It's on. I think it's on yes. HBO Max right now. It's it's a it's a it's a haul. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, it feels kind of like the best of like SVU. It kind of feels like a three hour that of that. Like it is kind of a lot of going back and forth between justice. The, the law side of this, the criminal justice side of this, the detective side of this, a little bit of the uh, the actual CD underground and how they relate to it, and the lawyers and the prosecutors who are trying to deal with it. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Dick Wolf watched this. Fucking um, Ormond. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> well, we I wouldn't playing. be surprised if Dick Wolf watches. That's funny. What's the name of... Um, God damn it. He ended up being on SVU. He ended up being the main detective. Jerry Ormond? Jeremy Orbach. Jerry. Orbach. <laughs> Tell me theater and film legend Jerry Orbach. Thank you, Jerry Orbach. Yes, this from Dirty is Dancing where, dude, and this. Yeah, yeah. This is where he played a detective for the first time, and I'm what? pretty fucking sure this is what got him the role. Like it is, it is incredible what he. And he's well, like he a was the original detective. Billy. He was the original Billy Flynn in Chicago, who's a lawyer. So he's already been in the police game before on stage. Yeah, not a police officer, a lawyer. But thanks for trying. Is he, he still in Chicago? Is time, everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> honestly dude, he's so a badass jeff there's one clip in here i'm just gonna tell you because it's so cool he walks into a prosecutor's office this is why you gotta watch this movie folks if nothing else 
come at me if you don't for like three it. hours. He walks into this office this and he's like, three hours, he's like, so. he's like, I'm not talking. He was like, you want me to talk? At least give me something to talk about. He fucking throws the desk over the prosecutor, who, by the way, is the principal yeah. from Back to the Future. He fucking throws it over him and he's like, at least come at me for something real. And knees him in the nuts and like walks out like fucking like a real badass. All right. I would like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's it. fucking cool. Anyway. Long movie. Keep going. What do you got, Jeff? Let's talk about Rings of Power. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna save the film record. I watched I watched at least two movies, at least two and a half movies. I'm gonna save my movie recommendations for when we discuss Great Escape. Okay. But you have to you have to you have to you have to listen to that for my recommendations. So let's do TV because I've already told you all of the things that I've watched. Um, <laughs> I watched all of Under the Banner of Heaven, which is seven hour long episodes. That's a lot. Now I do recommend this. I, it's Dustin Lance back Black who won an Oscar for Milk, and he, he wrote J. Edgar, but I think that was Clint Eastwood's fault, <laughs> not his, or, or Leo's. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry. Someone doesn't like Clint. <laughs> Clint Eastwood did that. Don't you dare say that about Clint! Was the dog, was um, the dog going, get off my lawn. I liked it. So, I, so <laughs> Under the Banner of Heaven, it's on Hulu now, and um, it's, it's, I, it's the Latter-day Saints versus, and then the, the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints kind of come into play. And this is set in the seventies and eighties. It's set in the seventies, eighties. So I watched. Peace so it's Sweet, like Keep Mormons Sweet, and diet Mormons. Is that? So it's a murder. <laughs> it's, it's a murder. It's a very violent murder of a mother and her 15 month old infant. And there might be a Mormon connection with the fundamentalists who like, you know, they believe in the prophet. It's called, right? Dum, 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 but dum, it's dum. like, and then, then Andrew Garfield's a, a Mormon, but he's not a fundamentalist. So there's there's very interesting stuff in that. I think if they had a little more money, maybe they could have expanded it a little more. But I think on the whole, I was really into it. I think the world building was really great. Okay. There's How's another TV show that I start. He's great. Yeah. He's great because he's, he's really also he's like, a, he's, like a, he's, like a, he's like a sweet Mormon who prays before he probably has sex. You know, he's like that kind of character. So like it's great for Andrew Garfield. Hole in the sheets um, kind of thing. Um, I think that's Jewish, but Adelaide Clements. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably right. Adelaide, crazy, Adelaide Clements from going down for that one. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? I'm Clemens not even from, drinking to that. There's no fucking budge that. Fuck that crazy ass shit. From Rectify, there's great. There's a great cast. There's um, Sam Worthington's in this. Um, Russell Wyatt's in this. It's a pretty good cast. Okay. Anyway, um, I recommend that Hulu. Um, there's another TV show that I started that I'll talk about next week because I don't know if I'm gonna watch a lot this week. Let's do it. Rings of Power, season, episode. Three. Five. I have not seen that yet. Four. Four or five. And then um Game of Thrones, the the fucking Three, House dude. of the Dragons has been like four, five. At least five for House of Dragons. Yeah. Might have been six. Five. I thought five. Power four or was five. Three. Uh I think they're I think up to four now. I think it's four, yeah. What? <laughs> okay. I think, it's, I think it's I think it's four. Somebody right. check. Well, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> they're they're both they're both good. I'll, I'll just say quickly about the Game of Thrones one because I'm sure I'm going to mention it again on the podcast. I, I'm t- the sex politics of Westeros is very fascinating. It really, really is. I think it's prescient. You know, it, it's like a current culture. We're talking about whether or not a woman could be on the throne to be there and whether it yeah. would tear all these people apart. I think it's very interesting. But would it kill her to cook and eat a few fucking people? I didn't know. I didn't know that's all the show was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I never. Like, I never thought I'd find myself rooting for incest. I mean, give me some, give me, no, sorry, I did. I was going to buzz you and you buzz yourself. Give me something because it, it actually feels like George R. R. Martin was horny and wrote a, a romance novel. That's kind of what it sounds like. Every time I hear people talk I know, about I say, this show. When I say like he's like horny and wrote it, I know people are like, oh. image. I know, I know, I know, I know it's bad, but. I keep seeing the South Park version yeah, of it. I shouldn't have said, I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said the horny part, but. 
But that's all. That's the whole. The whole, that's all the show is about. And Miguel Sapochnik directed the pilot where there were dragons, and dragons are power. Mm. And there's houses that are competing with other houses, and then you're back in Westeros. But this is just that. Yeah. And the actors are doing a fine See, job. I haven't seen but last. That's all it I haven't is. seen last it's, night's it's, it's episode, those... so I don't know if they've moved on from that. Do you it's, think the dragons are you... symbols for for cock? <laughs> for fucking like no the dragons honestly sex and i know no no i know this is crazy the dragons don't matter <laughs> they don't matter and, and this is a show about the house of the dragons about how they ruled for thousands of years because they had dragons and the dragons don't matter anymore the only thing that matters is is what you would believe about sexuality which again oh, is no. a very prescient they issue got, but that's the, the dragons whole... got boba fetted it yeah, the dragons got boba fetted in house <laughs> of dragons i'm, I'm serious Damn, that's dude. that's what happened because they keep saying, yeah. like, will they, will they like her claim? I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And all you need somebody to say is, I have a fucking dragon. Yeah. Guys, none yeah. of, I have a dragon. Why are we, why do we care we about the pettiness? It's, I, there, there's something, yeah, they, they took a really yeah. big, they took a really big misstep. Not in that storyline, but that should have been one of three or four storylines. Yeah. That shouldn't be the whole show. Okay. They, and I got um, the feeling, I like the, not uh, last night's episode, because I haven't seen it, but the episode before that, I got the feeling it was almost like, we can only afford two set pieces this episode. It just well, felt yeah, very it w- contained. It didn't. We're just feel inside epic. all yeah. the time in these little rooms. And that I was just, their it's, bottleneck it's, episode. It's a bummer because they, they try to like guys. Tease I haven't the veil. They try to tease these places. And anyway, let's let's talk about Rings of Power. What do you, what, John? What do you think? I, I just I'll just make this last comment. Just like with uh, Obi Wan, I still have not heard a compelling argument from anybody for why I should watch this series. The no one has said anything like, really amazing okay, to I'm me in. about Rings of Power. I thought the first oh, oh no, Rings, of Rings of Power. Excuse me, you mean House of Dragons? Uh, House, yeah. of Dragons. House, House of Dragons. House of Dragons. I, it had me at the beginning. It's sort Same. of wavering a little bit now. Um, but yeah, I because I I think I when you asked me last, I was like I'd take House of Dragon over Rings of Power. It's the other way around now. Well, I think one of the best okay. moments is when Damon goes and takes um, Dragonstone and and Rhaenyra, who's the heir to the throne, but they're trying to protect her to mm. keep her safe because she's the heir. She's the only heir left. She goes, fuck this. I'm yeah. getting on my dragon. And I'm flying Car over there. Dragon. And she flies a dragon. Yeah. yeah. And that is like, that's what the show should be. But instead, it's just like people in rooms bickering about, you know, who slept with who. And, and it's like, that's a it's very prescient issue, but it, it just shouldn't be the whole show. Okay. Can we talk about Rings of Power? Mm. John, yeah or nay? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm an episode behind now, though. I thought I thought there were only, damn, dude, I thought that there were only three or where four. Is, where is that? You know, you know the elephant servitude. You know, how there's an elephant servitude. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he right now? He, uh, they just did their escape, and then it didn't work out, and he got pulled back down into. Yeah, that's the pit. that's what I've seen as You're well. An episode behind. Okay, yeah, we're You're both an episode, an episode behind. behind. A new episode came out on Friday. God damn it, dude! I watched them. Unfri- anyway, it doesn't work. Anyway, are you still enjoying it though? Because I'm still enjoying they it. Changed yeah. the, he's not, they changed. He's not in the pit. They changed anymore. the release the time the of the episodes. It doesn't drop like at 12 a.m. Friday anymore. It, cha- it drops at like 5 p.m. Friday now. Uh, well, guys, yeah. I don't want to be the other one. All and, and I'm gonna say is I love pissed, the, apparently. I love the show. They're just they're just rushing, and so plot is succumbing to character yeah. in this past episode. Um, Galadriel said for like the 17th time, like elves and men used to worship each other. And it's like, okay, we, we guys. And then the it Isildur storyline. I think, the, I think they're really fucking up the Isildur storyline. I think they're trying to get too much in and I don't think they have the time. Mm-hmm. And they're just saying things. They could be open scenes. If you took the names out, they could be open scenes in acting class. All right. Like, so uh, that's, it's, a, it's, that's it's what the, uh, that's my only real like big criticism of this show so far is that 
because I'm enjoying it. There's a lot to praise. And I still think most people are going to be really entertained if they, if they like fantasy, if they like that kind of thing. But um, it does feel like we were taught how to watch Middle Earth by, by iconic movies. Like, I don't know if you can escape the fact that we kind of learned how to watch how these people live their lives through a very specific language. And I feel like this is, um, it's so plot driven that we don't really get to feel what it feels like for them to be in these places for long periods of time. It's ding, not, ding, ding, I totally ding, agree. Ding, 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 That's it. Yeah. It's so, it's so plot driven. All the, there, there's, there's lines in this episode that was like, you were fired from a job you didn't get and I worked my whole life to be on this ship and now what am I? And it's like, any TV show wow. could throw that fucking line. That's a line from Shot. It sounds like TV writing. Yeah, no, you're totally it's right. Gonna, it's going to happen. <laughs> which is going to happen. Is, and you, you know what's fucking it. crazy, dude? Guys, we all are old enough to remember the 90s and maybe even early 2000s when it, every now and then, dude, I'm old enough to not remember the 90s. That's true. That's true. Dave's, uh, Dave's heavy days is the punk rocker. Uh, we were all enough to remember when like mini series was and series were beginning to almost become possible and something that could really happen. And everybody was starting to say things like, Oh, I can't wait for them to adapt this book into like a long, you know, so we can actually see them really stretch their legs and take their time mm. and have it really character driven. And I feel like a lot of these shows are starting to become, they're writing like, I'm not saying this as as it doesn't necessarily equal bad writing, but it's writing as though it's kind of like that B movie structure. Let's just give them the right lines to say to get to the next scene, as opposed That's to let's take is. our times and How do we get what would as... this character actually say? Which is basically season eight of Game of Thrones. And seven, like, yeah. 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 and most of yeah. season seven. But yeah, and that's it's like that's nobody exactly fucking learns. How can really we weird, want Isildur? Dude. We want Isildur. We want Mithril. We want um. Dr- we want. Um, the dwarves we want this as quickly as possible. How do we get these in? in 10 I mean, episodes I, I admit I was hanging possible. for the dwarves. I was like, come on, come on, let's get yeah. to the dwarves. And then we did, and all it was I'll great. The dwarves, and then we did see it again. And you're, you're an episode behind. All I'll say yeah. is now Elrond is there, <laughs> and they don't have anything for him to do. He's just there with the dwarves, and they're trying so hard to give him a purpose, uh, but they didn't. They wrote themselves into a problem they couldn't write themselves out of, and it's too bad. Okay, I can't keep shitting on these shows. <laughs> We're also this episode's too long. Just we gotta go, them. people. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Please check our feed. We really will respond to you on the socials. Anything else before we send everybody home, people? Nope. South Korea, what up? Listen to our podcast, dude. Take it easy, film fans. Bye.